This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 191 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Equestrian Collections and Kentucky Performance Products. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with our producer Glenn. Howdy, everybody. Hi, Hi guys. Philip. Reese, tell us uh, tell us about your exciting week, please. I will. It is I, it has been an exciting week. Um it is everything is starting to happen down here this week. Um so uh on Saturday, I actually we uh Played a little hooky. We worked the horses in the morning, and Saturday's our hack day. So uh, we have a beautiful hacking area out here in White Fences. So it's like a three-mile hack. So everybody got on a horse, and we were able to finish our chores, and we went to see the Grand Prix Freestyle from the CDI. Um, and we, we spent the afternoon watching that, which was great. We saw Adrian Lyle, Patrick Kittle, Tina Williamson. So all the almost all the riders that are, are, are riding this weekend in the Masters did a warm-up show last week. So that was great. It was great to see them and just sit. Um, I, I unfortunately can't. I have, I'm heading home for a clinic, and, and I'm going to miss the Masters. So it was fun to see the horses and Patrick Kittle on that particular day was, uh, was phenomenal. He had an 80%. Uh, Adrian was second with a 75% and, um, both of them earned earn their scores for sure. So that was the weekend. And then on Monday, uh, was the USDF trainers conference. And, uh, I've been to several of the conferences and this one given by Scott Hessler and Stefan Peters was by far, uh, the best conference. And, uh, on the show later today, we're going to hear from JJ Tate. Uh, she was one of the demo riders, uh, in the conference. So it was just great seeing, seeing, seeing Stefan ride is always a phenomenal thing to see. Um, and he is just so clear in his aids. So I look forward to hearing more from JJ's perspective later in the show. Um, and then Wednesday was the USDF trainer certification workshop. Um, so I was, I was there all day and just working on uh, what's going to happen with that. So it was the faculty that was giving the, the workshop. So that was good to, to, know, to see. Um, and then today, it's Thursday, and I actually had a lesson from Conrad Schumacher on my mare, Winnie which was just phenomenal. She was, she was wonderful. And, uh, we worked on just opening her back in the trot, uh, and some canter pirouettes and it was really a great day. So I've been having a great day and Philip, you're a little cranky today because you're freezing. Yes. It's been very cold and Tuesday and Wednesday, I didn't sit on a single horse because it was just too cold. And that just makes me upset. Rode a little bit this morning, and by tomorrow it should be a little warmer, and we'll get back to full work. Um, but, you know, I just love to ride so much, and when I can't, it's, it's not fun. So. No, it isn't. And, and, and I know everybody up north is feeling that. It's been a very, very cold week. So uh, I, I'm thinking about you guys um, and, and everybody stay, stay warm and keep your horses safe and sound in that cold weather. Um, so we are all thinking about you down here. Uh, but I'm not going to lie. This week, I am very happy that I spent all the money and energy to get down here. Great. And uh, so what else do we have on the show today? You came across a hypnotist in your travels that we're going to talk to, yes. I think. 
Yeah, so so that's one of the you know the, one of the fun things to be you know being down here in in the Wellington area. There is so much going on, and 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 there's so much going on, not only. Um, for your horses, of course, there's all the vets and the farriers and the saddle fitters and, and you need something, you'll find it here in Wellington. So that's exciting. But there's other, uh, other things going on for our, us as, as riders as well from sports psychologists, uh, which we've had on the show before. But I came across Laura King and she was doing a lecture and uh, I really enjoyed her, her talk. So I wanted to kind of expose um, – us on the show a little bit more to hypnosis. So uh, really happy to have Laura King on the show. And well, now, have you ever done it, Reese? I have not done it. Um, I just I just went to her demo and she did the lemon test, which we will all take uh, here in a little while. And uh, I'm going to go. I, I, I'm going to make an appointment with her. Uh, that's my next email after the show that I'm going to send and, and send it to Laura. So I think it'd be fun. How about you, Philip? Have you ever been hypnotized except yes, by your wife or future have wife? Been. <laughs> yeah, she's always hypnotizing me. <laughs> but yeah, uh, could... no, I have been hypnotized at one of those, um, you know, those entertainment things. Those oh, really? People from the crowd and and hypnotizing. What do you, and have, you, you, do? Do what do you have to do? Things. I, it was a while ago now. It was over ten years ago. Um, but you basically just make a fool of yourself. On <laughs> and stage, did you? Did you make a fool? Of I yourself? didn't. I didn't really need the hypnosis to do that, but it really helped. <laughs> and it was a really, run, really fun show. And I have to say that I, you know, for for those people who don't believe or are a little skeptical, I was hypnotized. Um, you know, and they say like they can't make you do anything, but it's just like a really kind of a powerful persuasion feeling to to just kind of go along with what, with what was going on and, and really to, to really use your, you're just really using your imagination a lot. It's, it's very interesting. So, uh, I'm really looking forward to the talk, uh, from our hip, hypnotist that we're, we're having on today. And, and, uh, I'm already a believer. And, and, and so that's, uh, that's great. Well, fun, fun, fun. Yeah. So you, yeah, did you notice he got around telling us what he actually had to do when he was hypnotized? <laughs> Yeah, maybe one day I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not not, um, not radio show worthy, huh? Uh, <laughs> not today. <laughs> and then uh, we also have a friend of the show, friend of recent minds, uh, Lawrence Price is on for a trainer tip. So we've got lots to talk about today. Um, I guess we should get to the news and get on with the show. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, Stephen Clark of Great Britain was elected to the FBI Dressage Judge General. So um, I, uh, Stephen Clark ha- has judged me for a long time, and I don't know, Philip, if you've had him as a judge, but he is phenomenal. So Actually, uh, they host clinics with uh, Stephen Clark up here. Uh, whenever he comes up to judge a show, they try and have him for an extra weekend to do a little bit of a rider clinic judging perspective kind of thing, and he's amazing. I think uh, I would highly yeah. recommend uh, you know seeing anything that he's a part of. And uh, so I guess the Judge General uh, has a responsibility to create and coordinate discussions among the judges and uh, ensure that all conclusions and FEI-related stuff is, is brought through the FEI headquarters and, of course, directors. So I guess that makes him kind of like the boss of the judges. Yeah, that's what it sounds like, and uh, he'd be great. I mean, I, I always enjoy, and, and he is so cute. Every time you you ride by, he'll give you a wink, and uh, <laughs> I think that's always so nice because, uh, you know, as we all know, as you're going around and, and in a CDI with five judges, uh, to see the head judge wink at you, like, come on, relax, it's okay. Um, 
I, you know, I always, I always, I thought that was a nice gesture he would do. And I, every time I've written, so maybe it's just me, but I, I doubt it. So. <laughs> we'll have to ask him. We'll yeah, have to ask I know. I know. I have to ask him like every time I ride by, you give me a little wink. So I appreciate it. But um, next up, we have a little dressage Canada news. It looks like Bromont uh, has won the 2018 world equestrian games bid by default. Um, it looks like the city of the Canadian city of Bromont appears to have won the right by do- by default to host the World Equestrian Games in 2018. After Vienna, the other last competing city for the for the games, failed to submit a host agreement on time. So that would be great. They for still have to do a presentation. They still have to. They're present still presenting it. at the yeah. end of February, I believe, before and, it's you know. And I think they have to be approved. Them. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, but I get the. Nobody wants it. It's too darn expensive. It's tough. They lose money. I mean, how much did Kentucky lost? Like a hundred and twenty million or something. It was. Yeah, but well, it was a little. Yeah, it was. It was a little. Kentucky, I think, was a little different because uh, the revenue has been been brought back. So uh, it actually, I think, overall was a success. But it it is a very very huge undertaking, and being a part of it um, from the planning committee side a little bit during the wag it in Kentucky, it's a it's a huge huge thing to undertake. So um, I have actually competed also, Philip, in Bromont. So uh, it's a nice area to compete, and and I hope I hope it works out for them. So yeah, how far is that from you, uh, Philip? What's that? How far, How far is that? Yeah, uh, I think twelve hours drive, something like uh, that. Okay, we can't stay at Phillips. So house. nice and close. <laughs> nice I and know, close. bummer. <laughs> but, I was going to uh, reserve the floor space already. Yeah, but, me too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean it'd be great to to have it there. You know, in Canada, we we are already, Toronto is hosting the twenty fifteen Pan American Games, where all three Olympic equestrian disciplines will be ridden. So, you know, all the stuff going on in Canada, I think it really boosts the, the profile of, of the uh, equestrian disciplines and hopefully will bring, bring riders, you know, into dressage and, and raise the profiles. So that's great. Great. Well, I'm, I'm reserving my floor space for that one. I'm just telling you okay. right now. Okay. okay that's, <laughs> yeah, that, that's not going to be far from me for sure. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit more uh, from J.J. Tate after a commercial from Kentucky Performance Products. J.J. Tate is the owner and uh, head trainer at Team Tate Dressage, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about riding in the USDF Trainers Conference. Hi, Glenn the Geek here. Choose Kentucky Performance Products supplements because the horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. This week, I want to speak with you about Elevate Maintenance Powder. Horses consuming limited grass due to a busy competition schedule or because of diet restrictions may not be getting enough natural vitamin E. Horses in rigorous training, seniors, broodmares, and stallions often require additional levels of vitamin E to meet their needs. When you need a supplement with natural vitamin E, choose Elevate Maintenance Powder. Affordable, effective, and research-proven, Elevate Maintenance Powder's vitamin E is nature's most powerful antioxidant, protecting your horse on the cellular level. Elevate Maintenance Powder supports the strong immune system and healthy muscle function necessary for top performance. It's affordable and easy to feed, and you can learn more about this and all their products at kppusa.com. That's Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. JJ, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on this evening. Thanks so much for having me, Reese, and it's so great to uh, talk to you and Philip. I'm really excited to be here. 
Well, thanks. Uh, JJ and I, for everybody, we've been friends for a long time. We were on the Young Rider team together in 1996. So that was, you know, a couple years ago. So um, yeah, just right behind the corner. (laughs) Exactly. So it was such a pleasure, JJ, to see you ride with Stefan Peters and Scott Hassler uh, on Monday and Tuesday this week with your mayor, Summer Speak. Can you uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, the conference and how she improved and that type of thing? Yeah, for sure. You know, it is just always a pleasure um, and just an honor to be able to be selected for these kind of events, um, and especially, you know, with Stefan and Scott, and I'm I'm lucky enough to be able to call them, you know, kind of regular trainers, so that's just amazing. But, you know, you just can't get anything better than being able to watch Stefan Peters uh, ride horses all day long and have Scott there, you know, kind of talking us through what Stefan's working through, and so that it was just awesome. My mare is coming six and she is just like on the brink of a breakthrough. And I really felt that this was totally awesome that this happened this weekend. Um, I rode her on Sunday just real quick just so Stefan couldn't see her. And, you know, he, he knew her a little bit, but he never taught me a lesson on her. And Scott knows her fairly well because we worked together in the summertime. And, yeah, you know, she just gets a little bit nervous. She wants to be a little bit typical young horse, a little bit down uh, on the forehand. And she just hasn't figured out how to bend through her loins and sort of carry herself in in a top way yet. You know, so she's, it's been really fun to kind of see how she's figuring that out. And Stefan got on her for about 10 minutes on Sunday. And then, uh, you know, just the visual of that was so terrific you know just to see her a little bit more from an objective way you know when I like it's a little bit when I ride her I get kind of into her and who she is and how she's reacting to me and what I might be doing right or wrong and so it's just fun to sort of just watch Stefan ride her and just explain things to her and you know from an objective trainer standpoint and then Scott and I kind of talked about her while Stefan was riding and it just like completely clicked it clicked for summer it clicked for me so on Monday she was exactly the horse I was always hoping she would be so her spine changes were clean. You know, she just got it, you know, and it was just a wonderful, a wonderful thing to be a part of. And, um, you know, just the whole connection thing. I mean, that's so tricky. You know, that's always what I get in lessons. You know, how much contact am I supposed to have? Like, what is the contact? What's connection? You know, the whole thing of just the horse's body working in the best way and you really truly feel anything is possible that was really what Stefan and Scott helped me achieve um over the weekend or over this Monday Tuesday great now JJ maybe you could give us a little bit of an overview of the whole symposium was it well attended you know how many horses and riders were there you know stuff like that yeah I'm looking at the schedule um, I believe there was about um, eight horses there. I don't have a list of riders right in front of me. Um, oh, yes, I do. Um, so, yeah, it was... Um, uh, I rode in the Lauren Spreiser, Marnie Martin-Tucker, Jamie Kement, Katie Riley, Stacey Parby-Larson, Laura Wharton-Merrill, and Marcus Orlov um, were all the riders. So that was so fun. My mayor was the youngest. It's come in six. And then it just kind of went through all the levels. Um, you know, Lauren's horse is, I think, two years older than mine and, you know, you know, just working again. It was so great to watch stuff and work through connection and what's expected. And when you watch someone like Stefan, it's just 
so inspiring. Not only is his equitation impeccable, his patience for the horse, and his overall, you know, in absolutely the highest level of attention to detail. I mean, he's just absolutely meticulous, and everything is controlled, and he's very, very humble. I mean, it's just such a great thing to behold, you know, to watch him ride. So he got on, um, he got familiar with all the horses privately on Sunday, just for a half an hour really quick, and then they sort of decided uh, which horses they would use, and they decided to just use them all. Because they just thought, you know, they're not going to make it a showcase, they're going to make it real training. So uh, Stefan definitely rode, um, I think, all but one horse. Uh, he rode either one of the days. And so it was cool because you could see sort of the rider and their own problems and their issues with the horse together. And then you could see either on the first day, Stefan would ride or he rode, like he rode mine there on the second day. And so it was fun to see, you know, what the horse would change into uh, when Stefan would ride it. So he would ride with a microphone and sort of explain everything he was doing, everything he was feeling. And no matter what happened, he always just kept such patience and had just an amazing way how to explain it to the horse what he wanted and every horse's connection and expression of peace, swing, I mean, it just, the horse transformed before our eyes. And I think that's just, you know, maybe you don't have a world-class horse, but everybody can be excellent. Everybody can have patience and, you know, just a really high level of acceptance of, of what's, what's not good enough. And, uh, you know, whenever I hear, I, I like to try and hear Stefan in my mind as much as possible when I ride, and all I can hear is like, oh, oh, did you feel that? Don't accept that there. You know, oh, you, you should be more picky there. You know, I mean, he's just so sharp on every little tiny thing, every little tiny thing. Every T is crossed, I is dotted, and that's just was awesome to see on, on him riding every single horse over the, over the two days. And it really was, you know, also uh, sitting there and watching, it was amazing to see how he was able to get on the horses and very clearly draw the line on what was acceptable and what, what wasn't, but it wasn't done at all in a forceful way. You know, he kept yeah. talking. That was really exciting. Can you kind of elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah. I mean, most times Stefan very, very rarely rides with a whip. Um, and when he does, it's never for forward. It's so often about just getting the horse's attention. You know, if the horse kind of like knocks on the bit a little bit or tries to run a little bit through the hand or, or um, you know, just tip on the forehand, he just sort of makes a half hold. And if the horse sort of challenges that, he just gives them a little touch with the whip behind the saddle to get the horse's attention to refocus them back on the origin of the problem. And there was never any solving of the of the reaction, you know, so many times we see that trainers are dealing with the symptoms of the problem and never really the source of the problem. And Stefan, you know, when you just truly step by step, make sure you know every half fault is available. You you know, thoroughness is a word that really comes to mind when I think of watching Stefan ride. You know that he just really, um, really. Um, really makes it just everything is so thorough. Every little tiny piece is paid attention to, you know, can he adjust the neck? Can he, is the horse losing to the half fault? And it never became 
you know, it was a lazy work. It was never like, get up there, you know. I mean, you really stayed away from loud, explosive, firework kind of corrections. And that just built the horse's trust. And really that's what makes it so, you know, classical and beautiful is that you could see every horse just totally connect with him. So it's not even just about connection to the hand. You know, it's like connection on a whole other level of of just, you know, harmony. And, you know, it's just so, he's so patient, but he's so clear. And he, I just think he's so brilliant. And it's really a special, special, you know, way that he has about him that he can be firm and yet totally supportive of the horse. And the horse never feels like his aides are coming at the horse. It's so much about being within, um, you know, the horse's sort of comfort zone and yet drawing that, like you said, a total fine line of like, this is okay, this is not okay, but it never, the horse never felt like it went against it. And yet he was able to really get, like with my mare, you know, she's, you know, like technically, you know, six, but, you know, calendar-wise, she's only five and a half. <laughs> you know, so I'm a little bit schooling kind of canter pirouette. You know, I mean, the big and the schooling, and she's just like a 10-meter circle, and her, if I can get the hind legs to come in just a little bit, like, I'm, I'm happy. I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, and he's like, no, you no, you got to stay in that. Like, really expose her to that. And I love that word he always uses, like, expose the horse to that. Let her accept that. Let her stay in that long enough and, and get to a good place and accept that so she can relax and then go out of it. And I just thought he really sticks on subjects long enough with this thoroughness. He sticks on a subject long enough that he truly, you can see the horse, like, truly get it. And then he moves on, and it's, it's such in a relaxed way that the horse is just never stressed out. It's just never full of stress. It's never about nervous reactions. Um, it's never about loud, you know, and just, like, scaring the horse into something. It was just... Um, Really beautiful, really beautiful training. And what was it like to have Scott there to kind of support the training and also add his perspective on, on things, you know, to have two top trainers at a, at a symposium? Yeah, you know, I mean, we, we, all three of us, you know, know Scott so well and, and just think he's such a wonderful trainer and advocate of the sport. And I don't think there's anyone out there that can sum up a lesson and a sum up a training session like Scott can. You know, it was, um, Stefan would ride and Stefan had the microphone. So Stefan, it was awesome. You know, I sometimes my students ask me, can you just ride with the headset on and you can just tell me what you're doing? And so Stefan did that like all two days. You know, he does riding and he's talking to the microphone. But then like, it was neat. You know, what really brought it together was Scott at the end of every session would, would kind of, um, talk us through what he saw sort of happening. And, of course, Stefan was saying the aid he was doing and what he was accepting and what he wasn't accepting, but it was fun to have Scott give this overview of not only some of his history, because a lot of the horses have come through the pipeline of the Young Horse Program, which Scott is, of course, the coach for, so he'd known these horses for a long time. And so it was fun to hear a little history about, you know, some of these riders. I think Jamie had been with the horse for, like, six years and had done all the training and... Um, Laura Wharton Merrill, she's been, you know, the horses school in Hogan Prix, and she started the Young Horse Program at the Cornell. So that was neat that there was a nice history there, and our programs are working. Um, but it was really fun because Scott and Stefan, you know, they're just so much on the same page and so supportive of each other. And it was, 
it was really great to have Scott's input at the end um, to really sort of tie the whole thing together about as a trainer, he can read words and stuff and actually said this to him, you know, Scott has such a great eye. Scott can read these things from the ground and stuff and, you know, kind of laugh. And he's like, I kind of feel sometimes I have to get on because I don't see it so well. So that was kind of a, a funny thing. And just they just connect and click so well. It was, I thought, just, I thought one of the best symposiums um you know trainers conferences we've, we've ever had i would i would second that i thought the same thing it was a great it was a great couple days and i think we all came away with uh some really really great ideas and clear um clear ways of, of what we need to expect from our horses so jj thanks so much for giving us a, a first-hand report on the symposium um if people wanted to find you online how do they do that i just got a brand new website we're really excited about that and it's called Team with a little dash TateDressage.com. And anyone is happy to um, find me on Facebook, Jessica Joe Tate. Um, but my new website is up, and I'm starting to blog when I have some free time. <laughs> but uh, that will keep everyone, you know, in the up and up with what's happening with Team Tate. Well, that was a great discussion about the Trainers Conference with J.J. Tate. And after this commercial break from Equestrian Collections, we're going to talk with Laura King, a certified hypnotist. Hi, Glenn here, founder of the Horse Radio Network, and I am with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with the Equestrian Collections Product of the Week. Hi there, Glenn. This week, I am focusing on the Shires Equestrian Spur Suader Spur. This idea, I, I thought it was so unique. I met the, uh, the owner of this company um, at a, an expo in Virginia, and she said, come over here. And she pushed this thing against my arm, and she said, feel the difference. And it was it was it was so dynamic that I got one right away, and my horse loves it. Um, what it is is the um, the part that goes against the horse is like a quarter size, thick round um, area. So instead of poking, 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 you're actually pushing, pushing, pushing. And I think it really does a good job, especially with young horses, because it gets the idea across. You push away from the leg. And also, it's great for beginners, because beginners don't have to worry about poking their horse all the time. Um, it's just a great product, and my trainer really, really liked it. And not only does it come in English, but it also comes in Western. And we have both of those on our site at WW www.equestriancollections.com. We've been following these since they came out, and my wife doesn't use anything else. All she uses is the Spurse Waiter. So uh, highly recommend it from, from our side as well. And that's uh, you can just search for Spur Suader uh, or a Shire's Equestrian Spur Suader at equestriancollections.com. Well, I am very honored to have Laura King on the show this evening. I went to a lecture she gave down here in Wellington, Florida, uh, a couple weeks ago and um, listened to her lecture. And, and so, Laura, I am happy to have you on the show because I was really in awe of what you do. I was really happy to be here and have this interview, and I enjoyed meeting you. <laughs> well, Laura, can you just kind of give us a 101, uh, you know, 101 on hypnosis? What is it and how can it affect riders and help riders out? Actually, hypnosis, you go in and out of it all the time. It's not something really that special. Have you ever driven somewhere and you get there and you go, oh, I'm there, I'm right, I got here. Your mind went into an altered state of consciousness, you zoned in. You do that when you ride also. But 
guided hypnosis or self-hypnosis the ability to access a different part of the brain. As we are talking right now, we're talking on 12% of the brain, your analytical, rational reasoning, thinking mind. In your 12%, your willpower. So that's your monitor of your computer, considering your mind like a computer. Your subconscious mind is long-term memory, habit, pattern, emotion. That's where everything is stored. So 97% of what you do every day is by habit. And a lot of times we have bad habits in there or we have ways we want to do things. If we can quiet our 12% of the woulda, coulda, shouldas, or what ifs, the 88 has a good habit pattern of knowing how to ride a horse, but yet we're always criticizing it or talking or thinking too much on the conscious level, so we override that by causing anxiety or causing fear with our thoughts because we know the natural laws of the mind are you are what you think, and a thought creates a physical reaction and your imagination stronger than knowledge. So with hypnosis, we can access that 88% and really help performance and get rid of fear and get rid of anxiety really easy. So to make change in the process of how you ride, you actually can improve your performance. So, so Laura, can you talk us, talk us through a little bit about um, you know, how, some, how you do your work? How do you maybe hypnotize somebody? or, or well, Really, uh, I use my voice. I, um, my CDs have a music in the background, but if you come to see me, it's just my voice. Some people use a, you know, a pendulum or something or a light or different techniques, but I have learned just to relax because it's breathing, it's relaxation, and once you relax, it becomes an automatic response with the sound of my voice. You know, how, how hypnosis can help riders? Well, with hypnosis, you can get rid of stress, you can get rid of the, um, performance anxiety, any fears, you know, sometimes since our imagination is stronger than knowledge, we fear something that really isn't there. You know, we know we can jump that jump. We know we know how to do it, but somehow the mind can create other thoughts about the jump or it just get, it help you relax to sit in the saddle and breathe is one of the main anchors that I put in the brain for every rider. Now I do have a question. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play the skeptic here a little bit. Somebody has to do that. And and okay. uh, Reese has been hypnotized, or, or or Phillips been hypnotized before. And Reese saw your demonstration. I've seen a number of them over the years as well. Um, but are there people that are more susceptible, or not susceptible? Are there people that are uh, that it that it really works better for? And what kind of personality are those people? Well, technically, yeah. I mentioned that we were laughing earlier that I'm a lot of people's last resort. Usually when you come, you have a desire, like I can't make you do something you don't want to do. Every human being has self-preservation. You have to have that desire. Everybody is hypnotizable because we all go in and out of it automatically when we drive, when we do certain things in our lives. But some people are more visual. The visual person will relax a little quicker. Um, but everybody's hypnotizable that has a normal intelligence. That's basically the only rule across the board. And and do is it more effective on certain on certain people, like your your type A ADD person like me? Am I a good one for that or or yes. oh yes, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh yes. Because <laughs> Reese and Philip are now going. Please go get hypnotized. Please, <laughs> all my co-hosts are saying please. <laughs> but it's really to release anxiety, to release stress. To re- you know, there are side effects to hypnosis. It slows the aging process, and you become more relaxed and happier all the time, too. 
Ooh, Interesting. That sounds great. <laughs> so, so Laura, I'm just, what happens? Okay. So I, I make an appointment and, you know, I'm nervous. I come to your office or I come to another uh, hypnotist. What happens? What's the process? Well, basically finding out what you're wanting to, to change. What are you, what's happening? Uh, do you get the, um, do you get nervous when you go in the show ring? Is there a certain old, um, trainer or a particular judge that is an anchor in the brain to something that makes you more nervous. And it's basically finding out what is the difficulty and being able to find out where it came from, what's the cause, and then really going through a process in the mental subconscious mind of erasing it, getting rid of it, and really reprogramming. To be honest with you, you really have to look at your subconscious mind as a hard drive of a computer. It records everything, and we have the access to be able to reprogram that because it's learned behavior, which okay. makes it easier. So, Laura, we talked at the demonstration a couple weeks ago, you did uh, something that, that really piqued my interest about hypnosis. Uh, you did the lemon uh, kind of demo. Can you, can you do the that? The lemon test. The okay. lemon test. Okay. So whoever's listening to this, if you're driving, keep your eyes open. But if you're not driving... <laughs> if you you're know, riding your horse, keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. Yeah. 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 If, if you're riding your horse, keep your eyes open. Um, what we do is, is, could you use your imagination? So just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to imagine that you're in your kitchen. You know where your refrigerator is. So just relax and imagine, visualize, and pretend that you're walking over to your refrigerator. Open the refrigerator door, and there on the shelf is a big, fat, juicy lemon. You can tell how plump it is. It is really juicy. Pick up that lemon, walk over to the counter. There's your favorite cutting board and your favorite knife. I want you to cut that lemon in half. You can see the juice running all over the cutting board. Imagine. Just visualize that. Pretend that you are there in your kitchen. Now pick up that lemon and take a bite of it. And you can smell the lemon. You can taste how sour it is. You can feel. You can just taste the sourness. Now open your eyes. Did you see your kitchen? I did. Did you you see your refrigerator? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Did you see a lemon? Yes. (laughs) Did you happen to taste or smell it? Oh, yeah. Each one of those things, you were just hypnotized, technically. Um, That's It's just using your imagination and creating that, and you had a physical reaction. So each one of those parts of that equation would tell me whether you're a visual person, an auditory person, or a kinesthetic person. If you imagine the refrigerator saw the lemon, you're very visual. If you tasted the lemon, you're very kinesthetic because you felt that. So it's just finding out the different ways people learn and people are. And then you use the words appropriately with the process. I also use a lot of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which is actually, you know, getting the mind and finding out those types of learners, kinesthetic, visual, or auditory. And then you use words to help the person get to the result that you want. I do have, have a question. Died? Yeah, how yeah. how uh, is it? It's not necess- it's not necessarily a one time and thing done or one time and done thing, is it? You you have to come well, back. Is it a period of time? What it is, most things, getting rid of fears, getting rid of anxiety, etc. It's you know four sessions. But I have a lot of high end performers that come to me all the time. I'm a I'm a performance coach, so I'm coaching all the performances. You know, the Olympic riders and the high-end people that are showing 
they see me weekly. Um, I do phone sessions when they go back up north. Um, I have a lot of different um, levels of showing. It depends on what you're coming to me for. But most things are four sessions. Stop smoking. That that idea of thought is just the four sessions. But um, I have a lot of performers that see me every week or every two weeks or every, you know, my life coaching process is every three weeks. So it depends on what you're doing. We Philip needs an attitude adjustment. Can we get daily for him? Um, <laughs> would that be possible? Would that help? Nothing or? to do with anxiety. Yeah. Anxiety. You just just the way I am. Of... You can't reprogram that. <laughs> yeah, you can. Uh-oh. Oh, see? See? There is oh, help. This is good. I like it. <laughs> Laura, so keep it you with crankiness, because Philip is cranky tonight. Yeah. Deal with crankiness. Yeah. yeah. Which is... It's just because I'm way up north, that's want. why. It's, hmm? it's nothing to do with my personality. It's just how the weather affects me, that's all. It's okay. So where are you right now? I'm in Canada. I'm Canadian, and, and you know, I, I don't get the luxury like Reese of going down south you know, for months at a time, so that's okay. So it's snowing up there? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she has no pity on you either, Ruth. Yeah, yeah. I know. No. So, Laura, you also deal with weight loss. What are some other things that, that hypnosis can, can work with with Ryder or even just making yourself better? Just learning, you know, concentration, focus, um, recall, test-taking. You know, for dressage, you know, that's a lot of test-taking process. And if a person has a test-taking anxiety already from childhood or from college or wherever, you know, they'll bring that into that mindset of test-taking for the dressage test. So it's a way that we get rid of that anxiety because it could have been derived from the childhood. So lots of things. I mean, increasing your memory, um, working with all areas, anything that you need to have change, it's a process that we can go in and help make that change. There's a few horses that uh, I would have loved to have you <laughs> hypnotize over the time. I get asked that all the time. Can you hypnotize a horse? I bet. I bet you do. Uh, yeah. No, no. I'm really too involved with the people. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, how did, you become a, how did you become a hypnotist? How does one do that for a hypnosis, career path? Hypno- I, I didn't grow up thinking I'd be a hypnotist, but oh, okay. in my early 20s, um, hypnosis saved my life. I had a very bad depression problem on my third attempt at suicide. My parents decided that the drugs and the rehab I was in was not helping, so my mother sought out a hypnotist. And I'm 57 now, so that was about 37 years ago. And um, I, this lady saved my life, Dorothy Gates, and I studied with her through the years, used the techniques through a lot of life challenges. I kind of believe someone up above gave me lots of life challenges so I could learn to help more people. Thirteen years ago, Dorothy passed away, and I ended up giving, I feel like she handed me the torch. So I came home from the funeral, and I said to my husband, what am I doing the next 50 years of my life? He says, you do it. I said, there's no way. I had three major fears. I couldn't speak in front of anybody. I couldn't even speak in my nine-year-old Girl Scout troop. Um, I didn't like my voice recorded, and I couldn't go in a room and hypnotize anybody. I had too many fears. So my husband looked at me and says, well, if hypnosis works, you could be hypnotized to do all three. And I went, hmm, good point. So I ended up at school. My first day of internship, I had a panic attack. And so I laughingly say they kept me after school. And the next day I hypnotized five people in a row, and I pretty much haven't stopped since. So, And I have no trouble public speaking. I go all over. I've been on national TV. I've been everywhere. 
so it really works. And so I kind of sit in the chair and I can tell you how it works. Plus, I spent most of my life riding horses. So I love the equestrian part. That's why I wrote the book, The Power to Win. So I, I tell everybody I don't ride right now, but I get to ride in everybody's brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's <laughs> so I enjoy an interesting, that part yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. So that's why I do it. It's a passion. It's it's not just my job. It's my life and it's my passion. And I, I do have one, more people I can help. I do have one question. Do you yes. believe in 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 uh, reading minds? Do you, the ESP thing? Do you, I don't go down that road. I you know I think there are people that are psychic that have some intuition. Um, I've known a few that I was amazed with. I stay basically with what the people tell me. I end up feeling certain things, but I think that's just because they tell me so much information. So do I believe it? I think there are people that are gifted. And animal communication as well? Pardon? And animal communication as well? Do you know, I have to tell you something about that. If you would have asked me that before my daughter had a horse and I actually contacted one and the lady knew what my daughter would wear when she rode and what, what... the song she would sing, there's no way this person in another state could have ever known that. I was amazed, and the suggestion she made worked. So, you know what? I don't know the science of it, and I'm really into the science of hypnosis. So I don't know the science of that, but I will say I had a good experience with it. There you go. Very good. Yeah, I don't know the science of it, but I, and I spend the majority of my time, like my new book is for, well, helping people with um, cancer and pain management, sleep, and surgery. In this book, is I have 20 pages of references of the science. Hypnosis now is, is right up front from Harvard, from um, Stanford. There's so much science. The big hospitals are using hypnosis for the medical field now, and I get a lot of doctor referrals. So it's really gotten into the medical world. Wow. Well, it, it is an amazing process, and, and I hope to learn more. And uh, we actually got your book uh, at, at the clinic the other day, so I, I look forward to spending some time reading it. And Laura, how can we find you online? Um, it's lauraking.net is the easiest. Great. That and there's references to your books and, and yes, all the materials you have? Everything is on there and takes you. There's, it's fully equipped. Next up, we're going to have a trainer tip on evaluating non-traditional dressage breeds for a dressage buyer with Lauren Spritzer, uh, a friend of ours from Virginia, a Grand Prix rider and uh, a great trainer. Lauren, welcome to the show this evening. I am so excited to hear your trainer tip of the week. Thank you. So your trainer tip of the week is going to be talking to us about evaluating the non-traditional horse for dressage. So can you start elaborating with that? Sure. You know, I'm a, I'm a professional rider and obviously for when you look at the upper level, international levels of dressage, you see a lot of warm bloods, but that doesn't mean that that is the type of horse for everyone. They're very expensive. There aren't a lot of them around and they're not necessarily the easiest to ride for the average person. And so I find in my business that a lot of my clients are on non-warm blood type horses, horses that either um, are breeds that were not bred to do dressage work um, or, or are uncommon um, in the dressage arena. And so I've gotten uh, some perspective on what to look for when you go shopping for a client who doesn't have the interest or the, the finances to add a warm blood to their life. All right, Lauren, tell us all about it. 
So the first thing that I think about when I have a client who comes to me and is shopping for a horse and, and is thinking of something that's not a warm blood type, um, we look at what that breed of horse is normally good at. What was that horse bred to do? Um, and we compare that to dressage. So take the thoroughbred. Thoroughbred uh, was bred, you know, they've been bred for generations and generations to move over distance and speed. This is not necessarily something that has a lot to do with dressage, which absolutely does not mean that thoroughbreds can't be wonderful, brilliant dressage horses. In fact, there are lots of wonderful, brilliant dressage-type thoroughbreds. But just knowing, keeping in mind that they have been bred for efficiency of movement, and dressage is essentially about inefficiency of movement. Um, same thing for grass-type horses. These are heavy horses that were built to pull with their front ends um, and not uh, great endurance work. Um, so you have to look at how that horse's ancestors' skills relate to dressage. You also want to look at how that that type of horse relates to your skills and what you want to do. If you're looking at uh, hacking horses, Morgan horses, Arabian horses, thoroughbred horses, horses that were put on the surf to be spirited and energetic, that might not suit your purpose if you are a timid rider or a beginner rider. Um, but the quarter horse, a horse that was bred for its stalwart character and its ability to, um, you know, basically be a good guy while the cowboys sat up there and did their thing, that could be a terrific fit. Um, then we look at whether that individual horse is actually good at what it was bred to do. Uh, this is most particularly relevant when you're taking a horse that you're retraining, a horse that has actually been worked in another discipline. Um, slow racehorses, God bless the slow, crappy racehorse because they're bad at covering distance at speed, maybe because they are looser and more supple to their bodies. They have fancier legs, um, plus slow, crappy racehorses are usually very cheap, which is good for us. Um, it then compare that to maybe a, a Western pleasure type of horse, that horse that was really, really great at very earthbound, low impulsion movement. That's the type of horse that might not be the easiest to direct into a career for dressage. Um, and also to bear in mind that the older horse, the horse that's been doing something for a really long time, when that something isn't a close relative of dressage, it's going to be a harder process to retrain them. Um, once you've got a, a horse that sounds like it might be an interesting fit as far as type and, and personality, then you look at its conformation and its character. Um, sometimes that means you're going to have to see through some wacky musculature. You know, horses that have been ridden in a Western pleasure kind of way are not going to have top lines. Um, horses that are have, have done pulling work, have done driving, heavy driving work, might have a pretty significant underneck. Sometimes it, it takes a pretty talented eye to see through that. Um, but we look at, you know, is the horse shaped like a rectangle or is the horse shaped like a square? Is the horse really, really long in its back? That can be a challenge. Is the horse really, really short in its back? That can be a challenge, too. Is the horse uphill or downhill? Some of the horses bred for uh, cutting work, ranch work, are very downhill. And that is, again, not impossible, but it makes a dressage journey a lot harder. Um, are they top-heavy? You know, some of the draft-type horses have a really, really short thick neck and a big heavy shorter and a tiny little button that makes dressage hard too. Um, thick throat latches, thin throat latches, all of these are things that you have to bear in mind when you're evaluating any horse, uh, no matter what its breed, for a dressage career. Uh, and then a, yeah. the most 
most important thing, of course, is to keep a professional with you, to have, to have bring somebody who's got a lot of experience that you trust. And that is true no matter what type of force you're evaluating. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just going to say. So I'm really happy that you made that point. Um, I read your mind. You know, traveling, traveling around and doing a lot of lessons, I see a lot of different types, different types of horses and, and everybody trying to learn a little bit of something of, uh, of dressage on them. And, and uh, I, I've seen a lot of interesting mixes, but, but of horses that, that I've seen that have worked really well have been a little bit crossbreeds, whether it's a thoroughbred crossed over a quarter horse or th- you know, a thoroughbred draft type of cross where they get a little bit of a mix of, of, of uh, a little bit of two worlds that, that come together in, in a good way. I think that's, that's, uh, that, can be, that can be really good, so that you're not just looking at maybe one specific breed, but being able to take somebody that can look at all different types of horses, whether it's, it's a, a purebred or a crossbred, and, and, and being able to evaluate what kind of job the horse is is uh is going to do for you i think number one is is character and uh, if a horse has a good character that's willing to work and willing to do something that's that might be hard for it to do i think that makes a, a huge difference absolutely and certainly for a lot of people you know maybe dressage is just one thing that they do maybe they also do team petting or they also do competitive trail riding and then you know the you need a horse that's able to go into both disciplines with ease well, Lauren, I also have had some some wonderful horses that are non traditional breeds, um, and I have a very special one in my barn that's a Frisian walking horse cross. And one of the things that I like about this little horse is she comes out every day and tries her heart out. And I've ridden some uh, warm bloods that honestly don't try that hard. Tell us some tips on, you know, how do you find that type of work ethic? Oh boy, that's a really hard one. Certainly whenever I'm trying a horse, whether it's for myself or for somebody else, I always try and find something that it doesn't know how to do, and and I challenge it a little bit. Maybe on a young horse, I'll go across the diagonal and ask for a flying change, or I'll maybe, you know, put my leg on and really push for a couple strides. I want to see what that horse's answer is. If that horse's answer is, wow, you are speaking French to me right now, and I don't speak French, but I'm going to roll with it, then there you know you've got something that you can really work with. If the horse's answer is, uh, no, lady, you can shove it where the sun don't shine, then, you know, maybe that's not the right horse for you. No, I think that's a that's a great tip for everyone. That's that's really fun, and and also taking, um, you know, someone uh, that knows a professional or a friend or somebody who really knows what they're looking for in that particular case is also because uh, sometimes you have to have a little imagination, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, um, Lauren, how do we find you online? You can find me a couple of different ways. You can find me through my own personal website, which is laurensprizer.com. That's S P R I E S. ER.com. My farm is SpreiserSportHorse.com. You can also find me through my blog at The Chronicle of the Horse. The Barnworks is a small marketing firm which caters to equestrians. Whether you ride professionally, own or manage a boarding facility, sell horses, teach, train, show, or even sell retail goods, our business can help your business blossom. We offer services of all kinds, but what we do offer is focused on marketing your business in an efficient and effective way. Regardless of what creative marketing services you need, the Barnworks offers something that most other marketers don't, free consulting. That means if you don't know what you need or what will work best with your budget, we will sit down with you and figure it out together. 
no charge. Nada, zip, zero. And with over 20 years in corporate marketing experience, we have an idea about what works. And because we're fully immersed in the horse world, we know what works and what does not work in this crazy, wonderful industry of ours. Go to our website at www.thebarnworks.com. You can see samples of our work and find out how to get in touch or just send an email to email at thebarnworks.com. Well, guys, before we go on with the show, we had a listener request, uh, one of our, our legacy listeners, which means that if you're a legacy listener, you listen to every episode of every show. And Rhonda from Canada has listened to every episode of every show, all 2,500 of them. I haven't even listened to as many as she has. And she says, Philip, can you please teach Glenn how to say G-U-E-L-P-H? I guess on the morning show, I, that must have came up. And that's near you, right? Or you live there or something. Yeah, I have lived in uh, in Guelph. I'm, I'm not sure how you said it, though. Glenn. I thought she probably said golf. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Come on. <laughs> but on it's, it, it, but how do you say it again? Guelph. 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 Like it's a W. G G U E is like a W. Where is Guelph? Guelph. Maybe where is Guelph? I tell you, I live like ten minutes down the road from Guelph. I I lived in Guelph. It's a big university city, so a lot of agriculture students, and that's where the biggest veterinary college in Canada is. So it's a big deal to us horse people because they have. um, all the facilities for any horse surgeries and and things like that. The horses have to go have to go have to go to Guelph. So, yeah, there you go. I you know I didn't think it was that hard to say, but uh, Jeez, it's good to educate. Oh, no. It's good to educate. <laughs> it's good. You know, I, I, I had no idea that was where the center uh, university. See, we learn we learn all kinds of things in the dressage radio show. But everybody, we love email and Facebook shouts out. Uh, we also, if you have a question or want a topic discussed, uh, we always love to put that into the show whenever we can. So please feel free to email either either uh, Philip or I or even Glenn, and it will get to us. So um, everybody up north, I hope you stay warm. Actually, I'm I'm coming up for the weekend, so I hope there's a little bit of a heat wave. Um, but everybody, stay safe uh, with the cold weather, and you can find our show notes. And links to today's guests on our website at dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search for the Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com. And my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors today, Equestrian Collections and Kentucky Performance Products. And I have and don't a plug. Forget, I have a plug. Okay. Yeah, what's, uh, what's... Uh, we're going to be live on Horses in the Morning Monday morning from the American Equestrian Trade Association trade show in Philadelphia. That's the place where all the wholesalers get together with all the retailers from North America, and they all figure out what they're going to buy new for 2013 to put in their stores. Um, so there's like a 1, thousand twelve hundred uh, <sighs> vendors there, and all the big names are there. And then there's about a thousand retailers that come in. <gasps> so that's in Philadelphia, and we do Sounds our wild. yeah we do yeah. our morning yeah. show live at Horses in the Morning from there every every six months. And so we'll be live Monday morning at nine a.m. Eastern, and we'll have about ten to twelve different vendors on talking about new products for 2013. You're going to get the first look at them. Or hear of them, actually. Wow, that sounds like heaven to me. 
I think it I, is. a thousand <laughs> horse <laughs> vendors in one location. And then on Monday, it? Reese, uh, Monday afternoon when it ends, they have most of the vendors do what they call cash and carry, which they'll even go below wholesale and because they don't want to take it home with them. What? Uh, their booths, and you can just go buy whatever and then would, take it home would, with you. I want to come next time. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, everybody. Ladies, gentlemen, <laughs> what? Well, wow. I, I, I'm, I'm stuck on that. But everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you.